0: Our speaker today is Annie Ellis and Ali is going to continue a little series we've been doing in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Annie is one of our team, Uh, she is in training to become a clergy person and so she'll be ordained uh, the Reverend Annie Ellis in St Paul's Cathedral in the summer uh, but she's speaking to us today so here is Annie. On the 24th of June in 2016, I was getting ready to graduate from university. And I'd got dressed up in my gown and the special hood that you have to wear. And at the university I went to, there was a really fancy um, graduation ceremony where you had to process and march down this long aisle before you could graduate. And so I was lined up in a group of four of us, Um, there was lots of groups of four behind, getting ready to march down the aisle. And they called the first person's name um, and they went forward. And they called the next person's name and they went forward. And the next name and they went forward. And then it was my turn. And the lady on the microphone calls out, Sophie McIlwain. And I thought, that's not me. And I turned around and Sophie McIlwain was two rows behind me. Me and her exchanged a look. I wasn't sure whether I should just graduate on her behalf. Then I exchanged a look with the lady who was calling out the names, and it became obvious to her that I was not going to go forward. And she beckoned me over and she said, who are you? I eventually did get to graduate that day under my own name. But the thing is, names really matter. Names really matter. And today I want to talk to you about a name for God. And we're reading in Exodus 15. And perhaps you can imagine the scene. There's a whole nation of people who've been displaced from their land. They've been living under one of the most brutal and oppressive regimes in history. They've been subject to hard labor and even the massacre of their children. It is horrific. And it can't have been what God planned for anyone on the planet. And God partners with Moses to set this nation, the Israelites, free and god does miracle after miracle and eventually god sets them free by parting the red sea for them to walk through and we're picking up the story three days later in exodus 15 starting at verse 22 and it says this then moses led israel from the red sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. And that's why the place is called Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. today I want to talk to you about a name for God. So what is God's name? The Lord who heals you. That's what God says in chapter, in verse 26 of our passage. The people of Israel had been without water for three days. They'd been walking and they must have been tired. And they think they find a source of water at Marah, but it turns out that the water is undrinkable. So the Israelites at this point are not just thirsty, they are totally parched. Let me ask, have you ever heard of a tardigrade? Basically, it's one of the coolest creatures on the planet. It's less than one millimetre long, and it can survive being heated up to 150 degrees Celsius. And it can also survive going down to minus 200 degrees Celsius. Quite amazing. And it can also live in the vacuum of space. Really cool. And guess how long tardigrades can go without food or water? 30 years. And in my personal opinion, they're also incredibly cute. Here it is. Also known as a water bear. How adorable is he or she? I don't know. So three days in the desert for a tardigrade. Look who's laughing. That guy's not going anywhere. But for regular folk like you and me... Three days in a desert without water, we would be scuppered. If the Israelites hadn't found clean water, they definitely would have died. And so when God provides water for them, he's healing them. And it's a sign of three things. That he loves them deeply. That he cares about the details of their lives. And that he has the power to save them. That's why God announces that his name is the Lord who heals you. In Hebrew, the name is Jehovah Rapha. And when the Israelites were still in captivity, God had said to Moses that his name is Jehovah, which we normally translate as the Lord. But now God says to them, my name's not just Jehovah, it's Jehovah Rapha, not just the Lord, but the Lord who heals you. And when Jesus comes, one of the ways that he reveals that he is in fact this same God is by healing all sorts of people in miraculous ways. One of my favourite examples of this is when Jesus heals his friend Lazarus. Lazarus is, hasn't just got an illness, but he has literally died and is already in a tomb. And his two sisters come to Jesus and they're obviously distraught and grieving. And Jesus just loves this family And so Jesus goes to Lazarus, he heals him, he wakes him up and it's a sign of those same three things, that he loves them deeply, that he cares about the details of their life and that he has the power to save Lazarus. And the accounts of Jesus' life are full of stories of Jesus healing people and as he goes about this work of teaching and healing, he is claiming that he is this same God the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha? Do you know that God loves you deeply, that he cares about the details of your life and that he has the power to save you? And let me ask, how do you feel when you hear that this is God's name? Perhaps you feel excited or hopeful or maybe you feel sceptical or sad. I remember in 2017, I was doing Alpha. And on Alpha, um, which is a course we run here, people come from all different backgrounds and beliefs um, to come and ask the big questions of life. And on one particular week, I remember it so vividly. We'd normally spend about an hour in our discussion time. And this hour, I can remember so clearly because for a whole hour, I couldn't say anything. I remember there was a lump in my throat and there was tears in my eyes, and I just sat there and listened to everyone else having probably an interesting conversation. But I remember it was too painful for me to ask the questions. Why hadn't God healed my friend who had died a few months before? Why hadn't God healed my mum who died a few years before? Maybe God didn't care. Maybe God wasn't good. Maybe God didn't care. How could God be the Lord who heals you? And maybe you have a few questions for this God who says that his name is the Lord who heals you. I know I do. So we're going to turn to ask a few questions to God. So the first is this. Did these miraculous healings really take place? Moses was told by God to throw this bit of wood into the water to make the water clean and drinkable and perhaps you'd say well back then people didn't know how hygiene worked did they and there was probably some quality in the wood that meant that when Moses threw it in the water it became drinkable but they just didn't know what had happened scientifically. Back in the day there were actually so many unknowns about how the world worked that they attributed it to They attributed things to all sorts of gods and deities because they didn't really know how else to describe what was happening. And anyone who believes in miraculous healing today is probably a bit confused too. But the thing is, in the time of Jesus, miracles were also not very commonplace, same as today. And it's actually just a bit rude to say that 2,000 years ago, people were probably more gullible than they are today. Jesus's healing miracles are the objective evidence to back up his claim that he is the same God, the Lord who heals you. I love the way that Professor John Wyatt explains this. He's part of the team at the Faraday Institute for Science and Religion in Cambridge. And he describes six characteristics of Jesus's miracles, which mean that they couldn't not have been miracles. He says, firstly, they all involved a permanent, permanent, major disease that was recognisable to be incurable by the physicians of the day. So, for example, Jesus healed someone who had leprosy, someone who was paralysed, someone who was blind from birth, and even his friend Lazarus, who I mentioned, who was dead and in a tomb, which I think we all probably agree is rather uncurable. And secondly, the healings occurred instantaneously. As soon as Jesus said the word, the person was healed. Thirdly, the healings were complete. Fourthly, they were permanent. Fifth, they were successful. And finally, they were unambiguously miraculous. These were not the kind of things where you could just say, well, that probably would have happened anyway. Maybe you could say, well, didn't the gospel writers just make it all up? It's a really nice story, but that doesn't mean it actually happened. But the thing is, that can't be the case. Because it was Jesus' miracles and his claim to be the Lord that heals you that led to Jesus gaining such a huge following. It was his miracles and his claims that led him to be accused, persecuted, and killed by the religious leaders of the day. In John 11, there's a conversation recorded by these religious leaders who were plotting against Jesus. And they say to each other, what are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So his friends and his foes agreed that in Jesus' presence, people really were healed. And that leads us to our second question. Do miraculous healings happen today? Maybe you'd say that perhaps God did heal the Israelites and perhaps Jesus did heal some people, but that kind of thing definitely doesn't happen today. Well, the people of Israel had been without water for three days, and God gave them clean water to drink. And later in scripture, Jesus says that whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, who for centuries has been described by the church as the giver of life. God sends his Holy Spirit to live in anyone who asks, and it's the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So if the Holy Spirit lives in us, then we can expect miracles too. I want to tell you about my good friend, Killian. In 2017, Killian was studying for his master's and he had his thesis deadline coming up. And he was also looking for a job, so it was quite a stressful time. And then one day, whilst he was studying, he gets up from his desk and he slips a disc in his back. And basically that wipes him out, so he's bedbound. He can't get out of bed and he's in so much pain for about a week. Until his girlfriend comes and picks him up from London and drives drives him back to her parents house where she lives um, with her brother Charlie as well and the thing that you need to know in this story is that Lizzie and Charlie are Christians and so when um, he gets back there to their house Charlie says to Killian can I pray for you and basically Killian described to me how at that point he basically had no faith and he had also quite a lot of problems with Christianity but basically he was like what have I got to lose sure thing so Charlie prays for him and that was that the next day Killian wakes up and he he gets out of bed and his back he doesn't have his back pain anymore his back seems to be healed but Killian like writes it off in his mind and he says well I just had a comfy night's sleep I slept on a better bed than I normally sleep on so maybe that was it but the thing is, Killian's problems are not over. Although his back pain is gone, the next day he wakes up with a migraine. And at that point, he used to have really bad migraines that would last about a week. And he's still got his thesis deadline looming. And so the pressure is huge, but he's not gonna be able to submit his thesis, de- to submit his thesis on t- in time for the deadline if he can't even look at a screen, let alone get up and get out of bed. And he described to me when he was explaining all of this, how that time, that day when he got into bed, he felt prompted for the first time in his life to just pray. And he said, I just prayed, Lord, let this migraine go. And he said that in an instant, something just flooded down my spine, just crept down my spine and out of me. And he said, the weird thing is, a few seconds later, I could see normally again and I could walk again. This was a miracle that he couldn't write off as just a good night's sleep. And he'd had so many migraines and he knew how they would play out, and this was not it. And in that moment, he suddenly remembered what had happened a few days before, when Charlie had prayed and his back had been healed too. Killian was surprised to find out that God loved him deeply. That God cared about the details of his life and that God had the power to save him. So the next week, Killian went back to his flat in London to finish his master's and submit the thesis, which he did. And he said to his housemate, who actually happens to be now my husband, maybe we could do Alpha together. And within a year, he was baptized as a mark of this new relationship with God. And actually, he was baptised right here. And when I think about John Wyatt's six categories to describe how unambiguous a healing is in pointing to Jesus, Killian's back and his migraines were healed instantaneously, completely, permanently, successfully, and they're not the kind of thing that would have just happened, like a coincidence. Jesus is healing people today. So that leads us on to our final question. Can we all be healed? Perhaps you'd say, well, maybe it was possible that miraculous healings happened back then, and maybe that did happen for Killian. But isn't it unfair that some people get healed and others seem not to? Let me say this. God is heartbroken at the state of the world. God is heartbroken when me or you or your friend or your colleague or your relative or people across the world suffer because of illness, death, grief. When thousands of people have lost their lives in Turkey and Syria. Or when our mental health is rocky. God's heart breaks. I've always loved how the author C.S. Lewis puts this in his children's book, The Magician's Nephew. There's a boy called Diggory, and his mother is terminally ill. And Diggory says to the lion, who represents God, But please, won't you, can't you give me something that will cure mother? Up till then, he'd been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now, in his despair, he looked up at its face. What he saw surprised him as much as anything else in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own, that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan, I know grief is great. We mustn't underestimate God's compassion towards us. After Lazarus has died, the two sisters meet with Jesus separately and they both say the same sentence that I suspect many of us may have said. Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. And Jesus weeps with them. If you were to ask me why some people are healed and others are not, the only answer I can give you is I don't know. But what I do know is that every time someone is healed, whether it's by a supernatural, totally outrageous story, or whether it's by the hard work and dedication of NHS staff, or whether it's someone taking part in the Tackling Anxiety Together courses that we run here at HTB, making positive steps towards good mental health, or whether it's a rescue team pulling children from the rubble in Syria and Turkey. When any of those things happen, we can be reminded of the future healing that Christ has promised for us, the healing and resurrection that Jesus Christ has already won for us. In our passage, God tells Moses to pick up a piece of wood and throw it into the water for the healing of the people. And at the cross, God himself, Jehovah Rapha, hangs on a piece of wood. And he takes all of the brokenness of the world, all of the sickness of the world, with him to death. Our brokenness and our sickness, they die with Christ. And three days later, perhaps like those three long days searching for water in the desert, Christ is raised to life, having claimed our healing. We may experience healing in this life, or we may not. But if you choose to accept it, Christ has already chosen eternal healing for you because he's chosen you yes god wants to see the healing of your mind and of your body of my mind and of my body but really god wants all of you he wants your heart your soul your mind your body everything he just wants you and Moses gives us such an exciting example of what it looks like to be in this relationship with God. When the people were grumbling about not finding water, which is fair enough, I think. Moses went off to speak to God and God tells him what to do. God didn't heal the Israelites from some faraway place. No, he partnered with Moses. And Jesus invites his disciples to do the same. And he gives them power power. authority to heal people from illness and in my experience there is no prayer that squashes my ego in the best way like praying for someone to be healed because when you pray for healing you are so aware that in your own strength you have no chance only by the power of God are we healed God invites you to partner with him too So know this today. Jesus is the Lord who heals you. Yesterday, today and forever. He healed people back then and he heals people today. And he's chosen your eternal healing because he's chosen you. It's who he is and he invites us to take part. In Jesus' name. Amen.